You are tuning in to an archived episode of the Tommy's Outdoors Conservation and Science Podcast. After you finish listening to it, why not take a moment to listen to one of the most recent episodes? I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Welcome to the show. This is Tommy's Outdoors, episode 16. And our guest today is Tomas McIntyre, young man in his 20s who cycled solo and unsupported through the United States. But this year, he's planning to cycle also solo and unsupported through the length of Africa. This is super impressive stuff, and he's an incredible and super impressive young man. So I don't want to spend any unnecessary time on that intro, and we're going to jump right into it. Hello, everybody. With me today, quite exceptional young man. How are you doing, Tom? I'm good now. Good. It's, it's warm, so... Yeah, it's, it's very warm. <laughs> Actually, for, for all you people who are listening to this, we're sitting in, a, in our recording room, and it's like super hot, and we, are, we close the door so we have a good, good recording conditions. And it's super hot. There's no air condition here, so, you know, uh, like a sweat is dripping up of, of my back and probably Tom going to be in the same position shortly. But, you know, hey, we try to deliver the best content and that's what we do, right? Tom, um, my friend, you're doing some amazing stuff. And we get to that in a second, right? I, we had a, a, like, episode 14 was about adventure. And I mean, like what you're doing is like in a different level. That's a proper adventure. Maybe, maybe just, maybe just before we go into there, just introduce yourself to our, to our listeners. Hi, my name is um, Tomas McIntyre. I'm a 22 year old and I live in Ballyferter, um, just maybe 35 miles west of, of Chile. So I, I just work in my family pub and I also, um, I'm also a cycling tour guide and yeah, I just, sometimes it's like to tear away off on, on some cool adventures so yeah we'll, we'll 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 get to that do you know do you do have you heard of a wild adventure way um you're you're a tour guide so maybe that's that's something like that's that's again that's episode 14 about oh, adventures so i think that's a kind of like a hub where all the guides for all this stuff like that uh put their kind of their offer and and can do so so check that out and oh yeah, check that, that, out, that, yeah. that may be something interesting that, so. but anyway um we are here main so you're a cyclist and obviously you're quite passionate about cycling is that how does how does that this is started from the from a young young age or yeah i remember um cycling as a kid with my with my dad and brother and sister but i didn't really enjoy it and just outside of ballyfarter really? village there's a small tiny little hill and i remember it was by cycling to that hill and then i was too scared to go down and it was only like 20 30 meters <laughs> i was just too scared to go down so and then i did a bit of cycling with friends and stuff but that was only to the beach and whatnot else it wasn't anything it was only small tiny little things and then it kind of i packed it in then and I was playing football and soccer and things like that until I got to about 17. And as a way to keep fit, I was kind of falling in and out of, of love with football. And then this is a way to keep fit. I started running and cycling. And I definitely like to cycling a lot more than running than I still do today. And then mm -hmm. one day my dad was watching the Tour de France on TV 
and I was like, oh hey, look, those bikes look cool. So <laughs> I was just like, I wouldn't. I was like, will we go get one? So we came into Tralee and went down to Hallorans, and that's where I bought my first racer bike when I was 17 years old. Right, right. And have you been racing then, like a like a like in the racing club and just, just, just um, competitive cycling, I suppose? Yeah, no, I, I I don't race, not yet, anyways. Um, the, my local cycling club, Dingle Cycling Club, were definitely more of a leisure club. Mm-hmm. You know, you just meet up at weekends or now that the summer is back and the 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 evenings are getting longer. Um, we do a weekly spin as well. Uh, but no, I, I've never, I've, I've participated in one race, um, mm-hmm. the race around, the race around Ireland, oh. but that was just with friends and things like that. And it's it, a more re- leisurely kind, kind of, uh, well, we, we, we did race it. I mean, really we race. raced it hard cause it did get competitive and we began to really kind of settle in and enjoy the competitive side of it. So we were chasing, um, my Nulty, a team from, from meet up, up the Wicklow mountains. And, oh, awesome. Yeah, we oh. nearly caught them, but I think they beat us by about five kilometers. So. All right. All right. Uh, almost, so, a, almost a draw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the only race I've competed in. Apart from that, I've done just leisure cycling mm-hmm. and the stuff like they're in a carry. And then I did a, I kind of bought it up another notch and I went off and did a solo cycle across the United States of America about maybe a year and a half ago in late 2016. Ta-da! And this is it. And this is it, ladies and gentlemen. Cycle across America. It's like a cannonball run, right? <laughs> it's a cannonball run yeah. across the continent. <laughs> right. I mean, like, let's get right into that. Uh, and so first of all, that that happened a few you know months ago. Well, not a few months ago, like a, 2016. Yeah. So, so it was like, like a two years ago. Yeah, about yeah, a year and three quarters. Now, right, right. Are you like uh, sick of talking about it? Because I presume you 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 talk talked about it like many many times already. So well, now it's just to, in our family pub. I've kind of a, a poster made up of some pictures and of things like that from that trip. So mm. you get lots of Americans who are in the pub who kind of recognize a few places I pass through if they're from right. that area. So you talk to them about it and, you know, they love hearing about it and, you know, how how great the American people were to me and how, how look, well, I don't know if I got lucky or not, but, mm-hmm. you know, I had no trouble over there. I was well looked after and right. it, was, it, right. was, it was an epic trip. Oh, cool. So, so listen, so let's get right into it. How did it start? How the idea started? You know, it's not your, your average cyclist idea to yeah. cycle across America. No, of course not. Um, So I went away and did, did three years in college up in NUIG in Galway and I eventually graduated and I said to myself well I'm definitely taking a year out because I just couldn't face into a master's straight after mm-hmm. doing that three years and on top of having done the leave insert then as well um, so I just wanted a break from education and books and things like that so I said okay well if I'm going to take a year out then I have to do something definitely worthwhile I can't just sit around at home and and mope around the house and deny my parents even more than I do hmm. so I started just looking at, at a map and I was like okay well where can I go and I obviously with Ireland being so kind of depressing in the winter time with the weather especially <laughs> if you're cycling as well you know it's great yeah, to be sitting it's, inside it's not- looking out the window but when you're trying to go out and brave the elements on a bike, it it can get tough. So. It's, it's pure dangerous sometimes because with the wind, you can just get blown under the car or something. Yeah, especially around Slayhead, it gets it gets very windy around Slayhead. So, mm. you know, there's been times where I've been blown off the bike. So I said I, I wanted to go abroad someplace, but, you know, someplace nice where I probably haven't been before and have some nice bit of weather. Mm. So Europe was off the cards because it gets it gets too cold and snowy. And then... I didn't want to go to Asia or Africa or Australia at that stage. So I saw the United States of America and 
it is just, like, a, it, like a it, safest bet. Yeah, it, it just appealed because I'd never been there. Um, my brother had just returned. He'd spent three months in in Scottsdale in Phoenix in Arizona. Um, a lot of my friends have been there. Family have been there. I mean, so many Irish people still go there on holidays or else it's a big big irish culture and tradition yeah, in, in yeah. the united states yeah i mean states. ever since the famine since we since the immigration started mm-hmm. america was the forefront where we went to so i, I wanted to go over there and just experience it for myself mm-hmm. and i said well okay i could just travel there normally and just kind of bus and fly and yeah car everywhere but i was like well i love cycling so why not just combine the boat and why not just cycle across the whole country this, 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 this is just awesome yeah this is this is, this yeah. is just awesome and look how how like if i think about it you know the, the the biggest thing would be what about stops what about like have you had like a like a touring bike with all the with all the pennies and or how 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 that how would you plan yeah. you know like a stopovers and where to take a shower and you know all that well the planning i didn't do too much of i decided to definitely go i had been thinking about it for for a while as i was near near the end of my college term but it was only sort of maybe late july beginning of august before i kind of settled and said that i was going to do it so straight away i just booked my flights because mm. i said if i book my flights i'm definitely going with her without a bicycle so I booked my flights to the States and then I booked my flights, uh, my return flights straight away as well. So that I'd spend a, a minimum of, um, I think it was like six or seven weeks, the gap I had between my two flights. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I didn't do too much planning. I, I just bought maps of the route. So I picked the. So southern. you already been committed to the time in which you have to do it because you already booked your return flight. Yeah, I, I don't know why I booked my return. I sh- in hindsight, I shouldn't have because I actually ended up missing my return flight and I oh, okay. unfortunately lost that money mm-hmm. and had to go get another flight. But I, I don't know. Somebody in the bar was telling me that t- to go there, you have to have a return flight booked if you're on a holiday visa mm. so that they know you're leaving. But mm-hmm. anyways, it, it, yeah, it that's worked quite out po- fine. That's quite, quite possible. Yeah, that I didn't read too much into it. I just kind of took your man's word for mm-hmm. granted and and I went ahead and booked my return flight. Mm-hmm. But it still worked out fine. I missed it by about a week. That was all. So right. it was just bad weather in Mississippi when I was cycling through there that kind of slowed me down how, how cool does this sound right i missed the flight when i was because about the weather was bad weather in mississippi when i was cycling. that just sounds cool like <laughs> yeah, I, awesome, I tried to get man. onto the airline to see if they just kind of give back my money but uh-huh. i got some um i know it was a vat or they gave me back about 30 euros maybe so oh 30 it, euros yeah but yeah. It, it was fine I, I had a few drinks on that 30 euros so oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that was a cheers to um what airline was it um huawei or the icelandic one so okay. i had a couple of drinks on them <laughs> <laughs> very good very good <laughs> okay so so you're decided that um you know i'm going and then once you had a ticket you kind of started thinking like okay i'm i'm gonna get this bike and cycle like how does that yeah work? so i what i did first was i just bought my maps mm-hmm. i bought that to be sent to me so i bought the maps so i had like the whole route planned well not that i had a plan now but the there's an american website called the um athletic cycling association mm-hmm. and they just planned routes all over the states yeah so i picked the southern tier because it was three thousand miles and i thought that that was six to six weeks six mm-hmm. seven weeks i had i thought that was plenty of time to to cycle the three thousand miles and get get to my return flight mm-hmm. um so i basically just booked my flights got my maps Mm-hmm. um bought some cycling gear I, I bought two good pairs of shorts and a few other bits and bobs and then i didn't buy my bike until i got to san diego but mm-hmm. i had been in contact with the bike shop 
who were happy to have the bike set up for me. Okay. So. Oh, so you haven't actually been flying with the bike? No, I've, just got I the never, bike. never use the bike. Didn't even bring my own saddle because a lot of people are picky mm -hmm. about that. That they yeah. say you have to bring your own saddle, and I was like, no, just whatever comes with the bike, I'll just use. Because it seems like you're kind of easygoing person. Yeah. You know, you know, you know, you didn't. You know, I, I think that even in, if I think myself, but I know a lot of people who do, do the massive planning. I would certainly do like a massive planning, and you seem to just take it as it was going. Like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna book the flies and I'm just gonna get a bike there, which is kind of cool. You know, that's that's yeah. It's, well, it's that made it easier for you. It did. Yeah, it's just force a habit because my plans never really seemed to work so i said well this time i'll just go without a plan and just take it day by day and just basically see what happens because i did i just think that it'll all work out itself yeah that you could have i could have had every day planned for from day one to day 36 or day 42 yeah. or whatever it would have taken and then maybe after a few days you could see that the plan wasn't going to work out and how do you deal with that then if you had mm -hmm. tins arranged like please yeah people to see places to stay things booked yeah. in advance like luckily enough i only had my flight home booked so mm. i kind of knew about after about the halfway mark that i wasn't going to make mm -hmm. it so i was just like okay well i can't just dwell on it and be upset you know that i've missing my flight home i'll just go away and book another one and just yeah and just continue on yeah so i know some people do not like to have everything planned to a t and have everything set and done but I'd yeah. be the opposite. I think just yeah. the less planning. It, it worked. It worked. And see really. what happens then because tins just happen as you go along anyways. Yeah. So. Yeah. This is, so, uh, I have so many questions that I don't even know where to start. So for first, I suppose the first off is why, why is that you, did you bought the maps like a, like a paper maps? Yeah, they were, they were paper maps. So they had like the route. Why did you, why did you use like a GPS? Why did you apply it on GPS? Oh, have you done that too? No, I, I've, I've never done that. It was oh. just, I hadn't looked into using the GPS. I'm, there's probably a GPS on my Garmin, mm -hmm. but it was just, the maps were just most convenient and they were light. Mm -hmm. And I just knew that if I just kind of stuck to it, that I'd be okay. So sure. on my bike, I had a handlebar bag mm -hmm. with plastic and a clear plastic on top. Where you can stick the map. Yeah. So I could just stick the map there and then just kind of look at it as I was cycling along just to make sure I was on the right road. Because what they did was... The southern tier route was broken down into eight stages. Mm -hmm. So stage one was like San Diego to Phoenix and then Phoenix to, I think, El Paso mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. So it would have every stage broken down and basically it'll just tell you which road to bike on. And they got you off the main busy, busy road as well, which is mm -hmm. nice. And then they had like emergency contact numbers, places to stay just in case. Um, right, I think there's right. places to eat. So they, they were quite detailed. And then so like, there was a whole host of other information which you don't have yeah. if you just get the GPS map yeah. and just plan plan yeah, that. So yeah. that worked worked better. And is it not like a more more difficult than use where you know you, you like like a map is? I don't know. Actually, that's the question. How uh, what piece of uh, of the road you can see at one time uh, on the map? So is it not like a too big? Is that you can? It's, it's difficult for identify where I where I am actually on that map. It, at times it was. Um, sure, just being Irish, I mean, we kind of we get lost quite easily. So <laughs> I never heard that before. Yeah, there was times where I had to second doubt, and I think even leaving San Diego the first day, I had to ride through a national park, and I somehow ended up going in a circle. <laughs> and I went. I got back to where I'd started from, so I had to ride through it a second time. <laughs> And it took me ages to get out of the city because city cycling is just a nightmare end of. Mm -hmm. So I haven't got lost in the national park. That kind of set the tone for the first day. And then I ended up biking into the pitch dark. And that place I was supposed to stay that night, a friend of mine had arranged. 
Um, it was out in the middle of nowhere, like in this valley. It was pitch dark. There was no light directions. My phone had just died. No. So yeah. it was just like, I have no idea where this guy is. It's too dark to keep cycling. And then like 15, 20 minutes later, this car pulls up beside me and says, you know, I, I finally found you. So he actually ended up coming looking for me as well. So, <laughs> I anticipated yeah. the stuff. But yeah, that, that was day one. So he, I kind of <laughs> knew after that, that that this was going to be kind of just a very good unplanned trip. <laughs> <laughs> very good. That you just have to kind of just take it as it was go, coming to you and just kind of take it minute by minute and just kind of yeah. just settle yourself into the excitement and just not expect anything and just whatever happened, just go along with it. Great. Okay, so you mentioned the website that you used for for planning the the route. What was what was, what was the name again? Um, I I'm fairly certain it's the Athletic um, Cycling Association ACA. Right, right, and 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 so obviously you I, I know you're on Strava. I'm I'm using Strava as well. Have you considered using Strava, or is it, was it the same deal like with the maps? Like, okay, this is this is kind of generic tool, yeah, and it doesn't have all the inf- extra information that that website had. Yeah, yeah, I I'd looked at it, but um, at at the time, I suppose it's inexperience as well. Just the maps seemed mm. the best thing to do. Yeah. But then with the maps, the maps took me on a very isolated six hundred mile stretch from um, Del Rio mm-hmm. in Texas down to El Paso, right? Kind of hugging the Mexican borderline. Mm. And by the time I got to sorry from El Paso to Del Rio, so mm-hmm. um, so by the time I got to Del Rio, I put the uh, maps. I threw them into the bottom of my bag and I right. never took them out again after that. <laughs> so after that, I just took on advice from locals and I just used Google Maps really? to, to use to go. I was only going east, so I knew that there was no way I could get lost. Right, right, right. Once right, I was right. heading east. Yeah, because the magnitude of your of your yeah, road was like that way. It was literally just go east and sooner or later, I'd end up on the Florida, in mm-hmm. Florida someplace. I mm-hmm. mightn't meet my end destination, but at least I'd be close by. Right, right. And and spe- yeah, you're right. And especially that, that Strava, I suppose, they they tracking the route based on the how many uh, tracks is up, are uploaded there, yeah. not necessarily by what is the best track for, for, for whatever. That's awesome. Listen, man, so how would you, how do you, did you plan? No, well, I know that you didn't plan, but obviously you had some thoughts about like, how, what's going to, what's going to happen? How are you going to stay overnight? Are you, is it, was yeah. it, did you have a tent with you or do you was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, just bang the door and try to <laughs> find somebody who will. I did that once I knocked on the door and I never again knocked. That was day two. And I said, never again am I knocking on the door because um i'll go back to the tent but just real quick i was in the um californian desert just east Mm -hmm. of san diego Mm -hmm. and it was the second day and it just got really really hot it was Mm -hmm. like 35 degrees through a desert and i've never cycled in a desert before Mm -hmm. so like most like most of us i suppose never cycled through the desert (laughs) no desert no you're you're the guy who did it (laughs) (laughs) so eventually anyways typically i ran out of water and um Again, I was just out in the middle of nowhere. There was no houses, nothing around me. So I struggled on for like another 10, 10 miles with no water. And eventually I came to a cluster of houses. Mm-hmm. So I said, right, I'll just pick the closest house to the road, knock on the door, thinking mm-hmm. it's, it could be like Ireland where they'll all just come out and, you know, ask how we're getting yeah. on and, you know, and just yeah. chat away at you. But anyways, the, the house I knocked on, there was no answer. So I kind of just started walking around the side of the house mm-hmm. to see if anybody was out back. And next thing this big dog came, comes running at me and chases me. <laughs> so I run back to my bike 
And luckily enough, I knew that the best way to deal with dogs like this is to kind of shout at them and put the bike between you and the dog. Yeah. So I kind of took up a defensive position and put the bike between me and the dog. And I was shouting at the dog till I kind of just stop and whatever. And next thing, the lady of the house opened the door mm-hmm. and she greeted me with, oh, um, if that dog catches you, it'll probably kill you because it'll just bite you. Mm-hmm. It was like a really defensive dog. Right. So... Um, so yeah, yeah, that was that was the greeting, and then I just kind of explained to her how I was from Ireland and I was biking cross country and I ran out of water. Right. And then is there any chance she could fill up my water bottles? So this lady, like I kind of copped it at the time that half her body was out the door and the other half was inside. Yeah. So it later on turned out I was talking to other Americans and they all said the same thing that she had the gun behind the door just in case because yeah. in the states apparently they don't nobody knocks on doors unless they know you're coming so right. if you go up to somebody's house unannounced then just be prepared that those people in the house are going to get frightened because it never happens right, right whereas at home i mean we have a and i mean yeah. people come back into the b&b yeah. and they've walked into my bedroom it, it probably depends in in what in what part in the united yeah, states because yeah. you, you, obviously when you're living in like in a dodgy area then you're assuming that if someone knocks at your door and you're not expecting anybody, that's probably problems. Yeah. But then on the other hand, you know, I I know of people who are uh, going, uh, looking for land access permission for, for, you know, hunting and whatnot. And, you know, they have this like a door banging method that they're going from door to door and asking for. So it probably also depends because like, I mean, America is such a big country. Yeah, of course. It's very diverse. Right, right. Maybe it's just the places and that yeah. are kind of out isolated i mean isolated places somewhere in the desert yeah. you know beware I mean, people the beware of lady, a dog <laughs> the last thing that lady probably expected was to find some pale irish person dying of the turks in the middle of a desert yeah. looking for water so yeah did, did I, I she did she believed you at all did i think she, she did she feel did she feel you filled your water bottles she did yeah. yeah well her son came out and filled them so oh, okay, okay okay yeah so i mean I, I had my irish top on and you know with the pale skin i think that was enough of a giveaway <laughs> for, her to, for her to believe that I was from Ireland, so uh, uh, to be far fetched if I went out to the middle of the desert to make it up, anyways. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but That's yeah, going awesome. going back to the tent. Um, mm-hmm. So, because it was my first proper touring trip and my first time being away mm-hmm. by myself like that, I'd never kind of holiday by myself before that. I made a deal with mom and dad was that they'd let me do it mm-hmm. if I just promised them that I'd stay with people as I was going along. Mm-hmm. So. I just stayed with random people who took me in, friends of friends, you know, like, again, going back to the Irish mm-hmm. connection in America. Right. Um, I stayed in hotels and motels. And then there is a website called Warm Showers, which is basically... Warm Showers. Yeah. Yes. It's basically... There was recently some, some, some tweeting going on about Warm Showers. I think I think that... Uh, I, I don't recall now what, what, what was that. Uh, but I think there is a uh, Suzanne Bogman in, in Waterville. She, I think, she's is a part of the, the yeah. warm showers. I, I think it was. Her I, I think there's ago. one or two down that there. Are. Yeah. It's not too popular in Ireland just yet, but yeah. hopefully now with the big influx of tour and right. cyclists. Is it just starting that idea of warm showers, or is it like for years and ages, th- and it's just in, coming to in Ireland? In the states, now? it definitely seemed years because I mean mm. there was places all over the country. Now some places hadn't been updated in years, like so. Sure. There was some places that. You could because when you went on the Warm Showers website, each individual had their own profile. So right. So right, you could right. see when they were like last active, and some people were like last active like an hour ago, and other people were like five, six years ago. Sure. So sure. some people just obviously hadn't taken down their 
accommodation, which at times is quite frustrating because when I went logged on to warm showers, I'd see a few houses around me and mm-hmm. I'd be like, great, I can stay here. So then I kind of log off and mm-hmm. continue cycling. It was only then when you kind of got closer to the town that you'd actually look properly mm-hmm. just to weigh them up when you had time to look at them that maybe none of them are actually still in existence. Sure. So then you had to kind of revert back to plan B right, and just find right. the hotel or more. So there was a little bit of the planning. Like you said, you have uh, addresses, I presume, phone numbers of friends of a friends. And so so you so you oh, had, yeah. had a, like a rough idea where you're going to be. Yeah, d- in a few places. I mean, I had, there was a lady in San Diego who actually stayed in Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, yeah, um, the previous summer. So I, I, I didn't know her personally. She knew my mom and dad. So I made contact with her mm-hmm. and she kind of, I met up with her while I was in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, then I had a contact in Phoenix because my brother worked there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually ended up staying in Phoenix two nights and went to Scottsdale to meet his old boss and sure. his old work, work colleagues. And then the next place I had was Austin, Texas. Mm. And then the last place I had was in Florida when I finished. So maybe there's like four kind of prearranged contacts. Sure, sure. And they're all okay. kind of each quarter way. Okay, so way not, not doing, not doing, not doing yeah. that. How many days overall it It, it, it took four, seven weeks, 42 days. So 42 I, days. I spent 36 days cycling and most of it was into headwind, oh, which was, again, completely unplanned lack yeah. of lack of planning kind of i kind of shot myself in the foot that time yeah because you could know you could have known that is the other way around you're gonna yeah yeah but i think it worked out better anyways (laughs) because when because i booked the flight so soon uh, sorry so close to each other i kind of thought that i could do a good time Mm -hmm. it it was not that i wanted to race across but still you know do maybe five five weeks or something was my target and then because of the headwind i realized that i was going to make that target so then i was like okay well there's no point screaming and shouting to this hen wind and trying to do 100 miles every day because I yeah. literally, my head was going to explode. Yeah. So I said, okay, just take it easy and just... What was your average on, in the, on the I day? I think it worked out at, I don't know, was it 75 or 80 miles towards the end? Between 70 and 80 right. miles, I think it averaged each day. Right, and right. That, and then I had the For week, six weeks. For six weeks, Jesus, yeah. Man. Into headwind, so... Jesus, I'm man, still quite a... proud of that one. I mean. Oh, yeah, I mean, like, seriously, that's a serious achievement. Yeah, because is... one of the days in Florida, the headwind, oh, man, it was like... I think I did... It took me two hours to cycle 28 kilometers. I was, like, oh, doing, like, God. 13, 14k an hour. And you're, like, somebody jogging beside you could, could jog mm-hmm. just as fast. Just... Like, it was just... It was unbearable, really. So there were there was some tough days ahead, wind. But what was the preparation? What preparation you, you you've done? You know, training wise, have you have you you know tried these like a high volume workouts or was it also kind no? Of I like think I did one one hundred mile spin and that was up to up to Limerick. Um, I cycled from my house to Limerick for my girlfriend's birthday, hmm. and that was one hundred miles, and that was the only one hundred mile spin I did. I just spent most. I mean, I was tipping away doing two, three hundred kilometers most, not every week, but like a mm-hmm. good number of weeks. But mm-hmm. I didn't do anything over. I do. I definitely didn't overtrain. If anything, I definitely undertrained. Mm-hmm. But trips like this, you don't really need to train because, uh, to be honest, anyone could do it if if you put your mind to it. You just mm-hmm. jump on a bike, mm-hmm. and eventually, anyways, after the first week or two. You kind of use that as your training, and then you just—it's because this it's the rule. The more you demand from your body, the yeah. more your body will it's give just you. Once your body gets accustomed to the uncomfortableness of it, mm-hmm. because you're not going fast, because you're you're way down, mm-hmm. and then obviously the headwind slows you down too. Mm-hmm. But um, 
it's just getting used to the uncomfortableness, sticking, staying on your bike for six, seven hours and barely touching a hundred miles and right. barely touching a hundred miles, um, carrying all the extra weight and then, you know, just getting, trying to get over the saddle sores, right. know, back pain, shoulder pain, just yeah. all these little niggling injuries. I mean, my Achilles got sore for a few days, so I was mm. actually limping for a few days and I could barely pedal with my left leg. Oh God. But just, you know, you just get on with it, and it's just once <laughs> once you can overcome get the uncomfortableness. <laughs> Tour and cycling is fine for you. It's just you're going to be uncomfortable. It isn't pretty. It isn't nice. You do get lovely photographs, but yeah, behind yeah, yeah. that photograph is a lot of pain. To there's get a there, lot of so. pain. Yeah, but that's that's why that's why we're doing like that's yeah, why you're doing course, that. Yeah. That's, that's, that's that's great. And what how you how you dealt with your clothes? Actually, have a, you could change spare clothes, and now you try to to wash them while you were at people's house or somewhere in a, in a you know hotel like well, how that worked out yeah so i think along the way i definitely became a better um future house husband or whatever <laughs> um, so it was a lot of just clean it was just repetition if i was staying in a hotel motel mm -hmm. whatever gear i was wearing that day <clears throat> i just fill a sink mm -hmm. and whatever fairy liquid or soapy water or whatever i could get my hands on mm -hmm. just wash them out mm-hmm leave them dry overnight i'd use usually just left the radiator on full blast and mm -hmm. i mean the rooms it was hot in america i mean some days i'd hit 38 degrees mm -hmm. and i was stuck in a room trying to dry my clothes and in the evening of course when the sun was gone away um but yeah i just leave the clothes in the radiator and if they weren't dry by the next morning then mm -hmm. i just pick up a hair dryer and just sit there for an hour just trying wow. to air blow the clothes dry so so this so so that all right that's yeah it was just all self-sufficient now there was times when if, if i stayed at somebody's house that you know you they would wash your clothes um, right so that was i think it was like austin texas before i properly got like a good wash right um of like my own clothes so at times it can be quite kind of disgusting because you're just i mean the cycling gear i washed every night because i knew that putting on the same shorts the following day was just mm -hmm. a major no no mm -hmm. but t-shirts and stuff like that you could get a few days use out yeah, before yeah. changing over yeah 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 and just lots of body spray yeah <laughs> <laughs> no no so i i looked i look at your as your route and it was kind of on the on the south of of united states so so the weather was warmer was that the was that the part of the plan? Was that plan? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's that's why I kind of ruled out Europe, which probably would have been which probably would have made more sense as your first touring trip. But I knew the European weather in November just it mm. wasn't going to be great. So I was just like, okay, well, if I'm leaving Ireland, I'm going to some place where there's some chance of sun, not too hot, but just not mm -hmm. cold either. Sure. Um, so yeah, that southern tier route brought you down along the eight southern mm -hmm. states, um, like California. New Mexico, Arizona, Texas, they were kind of the dry heat, as the mm -hmm. Americans say. Yeah. Um, California was warm. Arizona was the warmest. That got up to 38 degrees. Sure. Um, New Mexico got chilly enough. Um, it wasn't too bad, manageable. And then West Texas was very cold. Mm. And there were some cold days, but it was like 55 Fahrenheit, which is probably like 10, 12 degrees. Yeah. But I've been just, I kind of got accustomed to the 30, 35 degrees. So to drop yeah, down yeah, to 10 yeah. again it was, it was just was... a bit of a shock in the body. Right. Um, but then when I kind of got into central and east Texas again, it really warmed up. And then from Louisiana onwards, it was just humidity was the... Yeah, it yeah. was warm but then you had instead of having the dry heat you had the humidity yeah and it was tougher yeah i'd never experienced anything like it before i i the humidity is definitely worse than the dry heat yeah definitely yeah, worse yeah because yeah. i remember one morning i was leaving my 
yeah, I stayed in a hotel and um, it was half seven in the morning and outside it was misty, it was foggy, it just looked really cold. Right. So I kind of had on my extra gear, winter mm-hmm. gear, walked outside the front door and I had to go back in and change and strip back down to my shorts and my jersey, which was zipped open for the rest of the day. Yeah, It, was just a, it wasn't nice. It was just the humidity. I think it was like 80, 90% humidity at that. Oh. And you just sweat. Sweating. You just cannot drink enough water. And then I found with the heat that I had no real appetite to eat during the day. Yeah. So I was just kind of eating small little, just nibbling away in food. And then once I was finished my cycle and then in the evening, then yeah. I'd eat properly. Sure, sure. So you had a you had a bag on your on your bike. Yeah. So other had, than the one on the on the on the handlebars that yeah, you mentioned. So I, so I had a handlebar bag which just had my essentials, the map, my phone, wallet, just spare food, yeah, all that kind of stuff. And then I had two rear panniers mm-hmm. on the back wheel mm-hmm. and one okay. on either side and that just had spare cycling gear. I I think I had one extra spare set of cycling gear, um, a pair of jeans, a pair of shorts. I think a t-shirt and a shirt mm. and then there's a spare pair of runners and yeah and then i had my electronics like my gopro phone chargers sure the sure. maps that i eventually dumped to the bottom <laughs> and never took out again <laughs> um yeah that was that was and really how you were handling the nutrition and your and your food and your and you're like have you have you have also like a, i presume you didn't pack like a two boxes of energy bars no god no no um luckily enough in america um, it's like the food capital of the world. You can just eat what you want pretty much when you want. Mm-hmm. So if I was in the mood for a pizza, mm-hmm. I'd have pizza. Do you know, you can get all, I mean, you can get burgers everywhere, basically anything you want to get your hands on. And then because it's so international, mm-hmm. um, I was eating a lot of Mexican food up until Texas. That's what I pretty much survived on. Right. From California to Texas was just Mexican food. And I've just a very unhealthy obsession with fajitas. (laughs) (laughs) Anywhere I could, I was eating fajitas unless I was in the mood to kind of fatten myself up and just devour burgers and pizzas and everything else. But it was it was mostly Mexican food I I was eating. And then breakfast was always if I could find a place called IHOP, International Mm -hmm. House of Pancakes. Mm -hmm. I'd go there and I'd order a big plate of pancakes or crepes toast and i think it was scrambled egg as well with a couple of cups of coffee so right. awesome yeah. and listen have you have you got any concerns over uh you know your gear your bike being stolen or anything like that you know because they presume you know you're stopping at the burger house or whatever you leave the bike outside have you got you know this is this is something that is freaking me out on the club spin, spins here yeah, in ireland that you know, we all, we all, you know, stopping for a coffee stop and, you know, there is like a several, like a tens of thousands worth of, of bikes in front of a coffee shop or, or, or pub. And people said, oh, maybe I'm going to stay here and mind the bikes. And, no, no, it's fine. It's going to be fine. And like, it freaks me out. Uh, but apparently, you know, like Ireland is 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 still a very safe place in in this. You know, I probably wouldn't like to do that in Dublin. But you know, how do how does was that in 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 the US for in your trip? Yeah, I, did you I, have locks on the bikes and all that? No, no, I I, I had no trouble. Um, if I stopped, um, I usually stay beside my bike unless I went into like a cafe or something. Okay, but I try find a place where. I could leave the bike right outside the window I was sitting at so I could position myself. Sure. Now, obviously, if somebody came and took it and if I was in the bathroom or something, then, you know, but sometimes you, if there was like, um, 
sometimes in the American places you walk into whatever restaurant, cafe, bar, whatever, there's usually somebody to greet you at the door and to sit you. Mm -hmm. So I usually just kind of say, look, while you're what, looking at people outside, just keep an eye on the bike and just like glance over at every couple of minutes or whatever. Sure. But I'd, I'd usually position myself. Just to um, keep an eye on yeah, it. Yeah, or else smart. I'd bring it inside because I did have mm -hmm. my bags as well and I obviously had my, all my essentials. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, no, I, I didn't bring a lock. I had no issue. Um, the only thing I kind of got mugged off about was, and I don't know if it was taken off my bike or not, I had an Irish flag mm -hmm. stuck inside one of my rear panniers. Mm -hmm. And that got a lot of attention because cars would pass you by and with my Irish top and the flag, mm -hmm. they'd recognize it and they'd beep or they'd pull in and talk to you. Mm -hmm. So I was cycling through, I think it was Phoenix in Arizona and Phoenix now, width-wise, it's 100 miles. So from my house in Ballyferter mm -hmm. to, to Limerick, or mm -hmm. probably from Tralee to, I don't know, have up the, the motorway up to Dublin. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I when I stopped, I saw that my flag had snapped. <laughs> so I don't know if somebody had snapped it off because I did stop on the subway before that. Right. Or else if the wind just kind of snapped it off or whatever. Okay. I don't know what happened. I still don't know what happened to it. But okay. yeah, that was the only time I was kind of like, oh, it, but if, I mean, if somebody did snap it off, at least they only took the flag and not the actual bike or the bags. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably yeah. got away with it. But no, I, I had no trouble. I had nobody I had to run after or anybody trying to take the bike mm. or anything like that. Mm. And plus, anyways, it was it was probably too heavy because if they tried to cycle off, <laughs> I mean, I, I had mountain bike cycling shoes. So mm -hmm. these shoes, you could actually mm -hmm. walk in without looking like a penguin. Yeah, yeah. So I could, if I had to, I could run after somebody. And I knew that with the way the bike was kind of, it wasn't like very heavy, but it was obviously a lot heavier than yeah. traditional road bikes. Of course, but it's a steel bike. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so I knew that if they did try to cycle away, that it'll probably take them a good like 20 seconds to yeah. properly get going. Yeah. And by then I'm, I'm you, pretty you, fast, you, so you, you um, I could them. I could probably try catching yeah. or shout. And did you did you did you did you purchase that bike? I think uh, you said yeah. I, yeah oh, I, so it was your bike. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I, well, I, I thought it was maybe like a subcontracted for you. No, to, to do no. The I, I I bought it in San Diego, and yeah, I bought the bike and the bags and the whole mm -hmm. lot. So yeah, okay. And, okay. Nice and did you did you then take take it with you? I or did you solve it? It's actually at my mom's cousin's house in Florida. Okay, it's still there. It is. In I case you're going to you're going to cycle all the way around to have a to have a That was the plan was I was going to go back. So the plan mm -hmm. after so I did this the, the cycle went and then I planned to go back to college. Mm -hmm. So and then the plan was to do like a one or two year masters and mm -hmm. then go back and reward myself by mm -hmm. doing the northern tier which was mm -hmm. from Seattle and I was going to finish up in Boston. Yeah. So I left Ooh. the bike there. Mhm. Mm but now I'm, I have a different trip planned, so I won't be going back to the States, not in the next year or two anyways. Sure. So sure. I don't know now, will I just try ship? I, it's still over there. I mean, I just haven't, I kind of forgot about it really until it was bought up now. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's waiting there for you anyway. Yeah, exactly. I will go back and cycle. So, so before we go, before we go, because we have a nice segue to your, to your next trip, your next plan, but before we get, we, before we get there, like overall, you know, was it like, such a immense amount of adventures and every day that is there's nothing that really sticks out or is it like a one or two you know uh things that are still in your mind that will that will you know cool or terrifying or yeah. whatever and we know about the dog story yeah. <laughs> well on that same day um after that um i ran out of water again so i started knocking on the houses i started flagging cars 
So eventually one one car stopped and again this was just down to good luck more than anything else. One car stopped, gave me some water, he drove off, I biked off. In the meantime he'd obviously called his wife because he came speeding back down the road to me mm-hmm. and told me that his wife told him to get a selfie with me. Mm-hmm. So we swapped pictures, swapped details yeah. and that was it. I cycled off and then that night I got a, a message on Facebook mm-hmm. And it was his wife who messaged me saying, oh, you met my husband today in the desert. He wants to take you out on his um, plane tomorrow. Yeah. So the following day, and I'd only planned on biking like 50 miles the following day because I had yeah. a big kind of 90 miles stretch through the desert upcoming. Sure. So I was like, I'll just bike 50 miles and just chill out in the next town and get myself ready. So the following day, then it just turned out that the guy took me on his plane. <laughs> so I went away on a plane ride with them and... He took me over like the desert. I was going cycling in the following day. Right. He took me to um, Salt. What is it? Um, I think it's Salt River. Uh, Salt and Sea. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, a tourist attraction. Yeah. And then there was another camp where. Oh man, I can't think of the name of the camp now. Sorry, I can't mm-hmm. think of the name sure. of the camp, but it was basically a campsite for all these people who just wanted to be completely left alone and away from society. Right. So this place was just like a, like an Amish people. Not was precisely. it like a re- was it like a religious or is it like no not religious. Okay, just so just the people who just wouldn't get away from the, yeah. Oh, so okay, they okay. basically they pay like no tax. They 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 have their own electricity. They're completely like self sufficient. Right off the grid. And off the grid, yeah, and. Yeah, he f- we flew over there. Oh, man. No, I c- can't think of the name of it. So we flew over there as well. And then they took me out for food and also paid for me to stay at a local hotel as well. Oh, great. So, yeah. And great, then that was one story. instance. Um, another time I got taken to Mexico for a day trip. Oh. Which was cool as well. Right. right. And then, yeah, I got... Uh, so we had a day out in Mexico. I got invited to... Um, two Thanksgiving dinners, which huh. was, which was nice, right? And then it was just the hospitality of the people I met the rest of the way. So very, so very positive overall, very positive. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right, right. Absolutely. And then you, and so then you flew back, and there was what was the story about the uh, Erlingus sponsoring your trip back? Oh or was yeah, so some story going on on Twitter. Yeah, that 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 worked out weirdly enough. Um, so because while I couldn't make my flight with Wow Air. I just cheekily tweeted Aer Lingus and I think the tweet went along the lines of oh 23 years old cycling across America for the Don't Watch Your Life Foundation um, any chance of a lift home for Christmas <laughs> it went something like that and I thought nothing else of it because yeah. I mean I tweeted like some of the rugby players or whatever yeah, just yeah. to retweet what I was doing and some yeah, yeah. did some didn't so yeah so I just tweeted Aer Lingus as kind of a cheeky tweet definitely didn't expect anything of it all of a sudden then my phone just started beeping, beeping, beeping. All these people started retweeting it and they were like tweeting Erlingus and they were tweeting me and they're like, oh, come on, Erlingus, get this kid home for Christmas. He's doing something <laughs> very good. And so Erlingus anyways got in touch and, you know, they unfortunately said no. <laughs> so um, Shame on you, Erlingus. <laughs> not at all. It was, it was a good, la- it got the foundation a lot of attention mm-hmm. and a lot of donations came in mm-hmm. around the same time. So it seems like we, like you, like we missed the big big part of that because that was charity cycle. Yeah, yeah. Tell, tell us about that because that was the, you know we should really start from from this. So so what's the deal? So yeah, if, if the America cycle was in in um, in it, I did it for the Donald Walsh um, 
Donald Walsh Live Life Foundation. So mm-hmm. Donald Walsh, of course, was mm-hmm. was from Trilly Town from mm-hmm. here. Um, he was sixteen years old when he unfortunately died of cancer. But prior to his death, he spoke out against suicide because mm-hmm. suicide. I mean, he died in twenty thirteen, and suicide was prevalent in Ireland mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. And at that time, there was still a stigma mm-hmm. attached to it, as there yeah. kind of still is today, unfortunately. Um, so I mean, Donal had his own death. You know, he he was dying, unfortunately, mm. and he knew that. And you know he didn't want to die. He wanted to to continue living, so he spoke on national TV. He was on the Saturday Night Show with Brendan mm-hmm. O'Connor. He had written uh, newspaper articles. Obviously, spoken on the radio, and his message just went all all, all around Ireland mm-hmm. for young people to to not commit suicide and just to seek help. That when one door closes and when you think life is getting too tough, yeah, just talk or and then eventually another door will reopen again. Because suicide just leaves behind a big, massive mess, yeah. and leaves behind so many heartbroken people. Yeah. So I I raised seven thousand nine hundred and fifty euros for for that for the foundation. Great. And my upcoming Africa trip is in aid uh, in aid of the same foundation as well. Right. Right. So that was that was the idea. Like since I'm doing this, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna raise awareness. Yeah, and, and it, kind of you yeah, get in of course, th- you yeah. get in touch then with the foundation and said like, hey, I'm doing this thing. And yeah. I um. My family know Finbar and Elma well already. Mm-hmm. Finbar used to manage a hotel back near where I live. So I I didn't know them personally. Um, I knew of them and I knew of Donald Walsh, who I didn't know personally mm-hmm. either. So, yeah, I just got in touch with them and said, look, I have this idea of cycling across America and I'd love to, to raise some funds for the foundation because, mm-hmm. like I said, a lot of people... And I think a lot of people in both city and countryside, but a lot of people in the countryside do go through depression. Yeah. Um, young and old. And then the other side of it, I was kind of thinking as well that I was 22 years old at the time. And I was kind of saying, well, maybe the cycle as well, as as well as wearing awareness, but maybe the cycle itself could inspire young people as exactly. well. Exactly. That, you know, when we put our mind to something... Like we if, can do, if something like that doesn't inspire you have no pulse man that, that we can do anything we want to do so that led to the america cycle and obviously the the upcoming sure, africa trip sure, which is sure. and how how they're so they're raising funds look like just people become aware and they were just just donating money because yeah you of were, course yeah you're, you're a kind of like a poster man for for that yeah yeah so i mean they have other fundraisers as well mm-hmm. um so that It, it it helped with them as well i mean the money i raised hmm. you know it it's it's helped a, gr- a great deal as well so um very good very yeah, good they have like special donald walsh rooms and hospices and hospitals and um, okay in the um so the great cause great cause listen you already gave up your next trip it's africa africa yeah. it's it's awesome let's let's talk about that so two years passed and you go like well I I need more no yeah. bigger no bigger charge. What's the like? Walk us through the the thought process and and what's yeah. So like I previously said, after the states, the plan was to go back to college, do college, and then go back to the states to do another cycle. This is kind of a, a reward to myself. Then so the, that plan went ahead. Mm-hmm. I went back and looked at college courses, picked one out. I got my college course. It was a PME secondary school teachers masters in UCC. Mm-hmm. So I had everything arranged. And uh, I had my school organized accommodation, you know, where I and everything else was was arranged as well. And then on the day that I was supposed to go down and have a meeting with the school, 
I got cold feet and just called him and said, look, I, I, I can't do this. I'm mm-hmm. just not ready for this and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we had a good discussion and thankfully they understood as well. So then I was like, okay, well, I'm not going back to college now. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, so that was, that was last August. Mm-hmm. So then I started saying, okay, well, if I'm not going back to college, I'm just going to just keep working yeah. and plan another trip. Mm-hmm. So then I looked at, again, pulled out a world map and I was like, okay, I have the States done you know could go do europe or australia new zealand or or whatever and then i just looked at africa Mm -hmm. and something just appealed straight away it just seemed so crazy to do but so cool at the same time yeah so when i just looked at africa i was like i'm going to africa i was like i don't care what i have to do Mm -hmm. how many hurdles i have to jump over who i have to deny who i have to upset who I have to drive crazy but i was like i am going to africa and that was it i'm very stubborn and headstrong so once Africa came into my mind, I just couldn't get it out of there. Is there is there mo- more planning going to that trip? Yeah, there's a bit more. Um, um, yeah, a, a bit more planning because it's just because it's ten different countries I'm going through, and that's right. only ten for now. If I feel that I want to visit other countries while I'm out there, then I absolutely will. Mm-hmm. Having done the America trip and realized that, and after doing the America trip, I realized I have to be more flexible. Mm-hmm. I cannot have a time strain. I just need to go away. And if it takes three months, it takes three months. Or if it takes right. 12 months, it takes 12 months. Right. There's just no time frame on it. So, yeah, there's definitely more planning because you're going through 10 different countries. And they're not English speaking, I presume. No. Right. No. no. Now th- there is, because it was the British had had colonized much mm. of Africa. Mm. Um, some countries do speak English, right? But it, it depends where you go. Maybe just so. How are you planning to deal with you know situations, whatever they may arise, yeah. in the countries that are not English speaking? Yeah, that's tricky and something I haven't figured out yet. I mm-hmm. hope these situations don't arise. But if they do, then you do what you do best. You take it just as it goes. T- yeah, <laughs> it, it depends how severe it is. But yeah, I'll just see what happens and I, yeah I, I really have no idea I mean if something happened then I'll just have to just judge it on as it as it as it's happening like mm-hmm. I've always done and just make a decision yeah there and then because that's the good thing about these trips as well that when you when you go away like this you can't call mom and dad to figure mm-hmm. things out for you you can't mm-hmm. get onto your school teacher because obviously like going through school you're spoon fed all the information mm-hmm. so like when we get to our when we get to college, you know, some of us kind of, well, a lot of young people just don't know how to look after themselves properly because everything's been done for them. Decisions have been made for them. So when you have to get out of and go away That's and do your a, own thing, you have to think on your feet. So, I mean, it's it's going to be part of the challenge. Sometimes you might make the right decision. Other times you mightn't make the right decision. Yeah. So you you just judge it on merit and judge it as it's happening and just hope to God that yeah you yeah. you make the right yeah. call yeah listen and and uh, how much convincing you had to because I presume there are a lot of people who are concerned about your safety and like you know how does how you deal with that thing yeah so um, yes a lot of people aren't really happy with my choice of continent this time and I, mean, I can I, imagine I, that <laughs> yeah I mean I I fully understand this because it is. Do you know, it's going to be more ch- a lot more challenging than America. So, I mean, obviously, like, I've driven my parents mad already. 
Um, but I, I mean, I'd be in the same boat, you know, if mm-hmm. in the future, if, if I have kids that if they wanted to go away and do something like this, mm-hmm. I'd just be sick worried. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I've, I've tried to convince my parents. I've, but what I'm trying to do now at the moment is just make as many contacts as possible. Yeah. Because I realized how much it helped in America, even just to have something as little as a phone number. Yes. That if anything did go wrong, that you could just call somebody who's around you in that yeah. country, we'll say, yeah. and just say, look, I'm in a spot of bother. Is there any way you can help? Mm-hmm. I've been in touch with like the embassies. Yes. So they know I'm coming. So that just mm-hmm. in case, like, for example, in Sudan, I've just like through the Sahara Desert. Mm-hmm. If anything happened to me there and I have to call up the embassy and say, look, hey, guys, I need some help. Mm-hmm. But if I hadn't told them I was coming, then they're like, well, yeah, yeah, you yeah, never yeah. told us, like, yeah, what the hell are we, yeah. what do you expect us to do? Yeah. At least now that they're, they know that I'll, know. I'll be passing through and that if anything happens that at least they'll know that I'm there. So it might be easier to start out. Sure, sure. But apart from that, then it's just making contacts and just mm-hmm. hoping that I've looked on my side again and nothing bad happens. Yeah. yeah. And is it set up the same, the bike, the like, well, how do you, obviously not the same bike, but how do you? Yeah, so I've, I've, I've bought a new bike for this trip, um, a Trek Tour 920. Yeah. So this is a new bike by Trek. And we all fans of Trek here on yeah, Tommy's Outdoors yeah. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Trekker, I mean, they're, they're, they're solid. They're good guys to go with. So this new bike, this Trek Tour 920, basically nobody has an idea what it's supposed to do. It's a mm-hmm. mix of like cyclocross, mm-hmm. gravel and road bike and mountain mm-hmm. bike. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a road bike set up with mountain bike gear and it's aluminum frame, okay. that steel frame. And it's got mountain bike gearing. So there, there's going to be a lot of off-road sections um sure so yeah the, the whole trip is twelve thousand kilometers if i stick to the route that mm-hmm. that i've set out to do and then out of those twelve thousand kilometers eleven thousand are paved which means one thousand are unpaved wow so that's why this bike is ideal because yeah. okay granted i could have probably got a, a, a proper road bike and mm-hmm. just used that and taken my chance on the unpaved parts but then uh. there's other countries as i head further south the roads are going to get very busy yeah like Namibia, for example, South Africa, yeah. Botswana. Yeah. I'm going to go off-road as much as I can through sandy paths, gravel paths, sure. whatever I can get my hands on. Yeah. And that's why this bike is going to be crucial to that mm-hmm. because otherwise if I had a road bike, I'd have to be stuck to the road. Yeah. And with African traffic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously I'm used to traffic with sleigh head and stuff, but this no, is different types of traffic. Yeah, yeah. And, the, know, and, the, and, the, dr- and the drivers are different as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think rules are... Some rules of the road don't apply in some oh, parts of Africa. I, I, rem- I remember when I was in, in Guinea-Bissau and we went out of the airport and it, there was like a two types of cars. One type of cars was like a minivan, kind of without doors, <laughs> without <laughs> windows, completely <laughs> crashed. And you, you would consider these cars to be on a, on a, you know, like a dump yard. But they were just, just people were driving, like no doors, you know, like <laughs> completely. Like, and then other than that, it was like a brand new BMWs and the Mercedes, like a, like a shiny new, you know, <laughs> it was like a few of those yeah, and all the, the contrast. Yeah, yeah. But then Guinea-Bissau is a country with the with the biggest gap. Uh, well, I th- I think it's the second in the world with the biggest gap between poor and rich. So oh, that, wow, that, that, okay. was, that was that was. So so anyway, um, so how are you planning your how are you planning your 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 route uh, through Africa? Is there a website for? I presume there's no 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 equivalent website for that. No, but there's a company called the Tour de Afrique. And oh, they've kind of set up a route with like the last decade that any tour cyclists from Cairo to Cape Town use now I mean countries like Egypt Sudan Mm -hmm. Ethiopia Kenya 
I mean, especially like Ethiopia, Kenya, lots of the roads aren't in good condition. Mm-hmm. So usually people who cycle to her, usually would, they all stick to the same route. You've got the main road out of Egypt, out of Cairo. There's right. like two routes you can go down the Red Sea or else down by the Nile. Mm-hmm. And everybody just uses those. There isn't like a whole um, variety of, of roads open access that you can use. Sure. So some of the countries you just have to bike on whichever road is there. They just don't have the same network as you would in Europe yeah. or America. Yeah. yeah. So anyone who's kind of done this trip usually sticks to the same route. Right. Right. And so is 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 that the route that was done before? That, that yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. It, it's getting more popular. I mean, the at the moment, like the Chinese, it, it it's easier than what it used to be because at the moment the Chinese are out there building roads like crazy. Oh. They're stealing minerals of African countries. That's like, very that's that's very interesting geopolitical like being, information yeah, that you're it, bringing here. So it, Chinese are. I heard that actually. I heard somewhere that the Chinese is you know economically and 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 they're very active in in, in yeah. It's it's like they've essentially just colonized Africa again, just like the Brits yeah. and the French but through and the trade. German did. Only yeah, so through basically trade. they're like building roads and all these other things, and then they're taking their minerals. Yeah, but they're yeah. you know they're pumping money into it as well. Yeah. So, I've I've read conflicted reports. Like some people are kind of not happy with it, and other people are delighted because they're getting all these free infrastructure that their own countries can't yeah. build. Yeah, that the Chinese are building for them. Yeah. And that's a Chinese doctrine that they using trade as a tool of war. Yeah, which was which was different. Like you know, traditionally Europeans, like a tr- trade of war was just like a war, like a soldiers. Course, yeah, yeah, while yeah. Chinese for thousands of years they used yeah. trade and yeah, economics also as a war. And this is exactly what's yeah. happening right They're now. They're not going around harming people anyway. That's, yeah, that's one way. To yeah, look at it. yeah, exactly, exactly. That's 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 awesome. So where when, when you're starting? I start officially on November second. Wow. Um, it's a Friday. So I, I leave Ireland the following, the, sorry, the Friday before that, the October 26th. Mm-hmm. And I have a week in Cairo primarily because the Muslim weekend is this mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday, as opposed to our usual Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. And the traffic in Cairo is supposed to be crazy. So anyone I've spoken to said that the best time to leave mm-hmm. is either Friday, Saturday, as early as you can. So that's why I'm sticking around for the week so sure. that I can have a safe swift right. passage out of the city and just yeah. get stuck into the heat then again after that right 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 that's, that's awesome and you're flying to cairo with with the bike and with all the gear yeah yeah so i have to the bike is actually up in dublin at the moment i have to go up and collect it but yeah this time i'll be flying with the bike and then gear wise i think i'm i'm fairly settled on that i'm going to go with a very light setup lighter mm-hmm. in america mm-hmm. so i've scrapped the pannier bags oh and i'm just going to use frame bags i'm going to have a, a big saddle bag mm-hmm. a frame bag a handlebar bag and i'll try to squeeze one more bag onto it okay and I'll, i'll have to tent this time as well so there's there's too many gaps and sure sure places and sure sure wow wow and and yeah i i still i still you know like you're saying like okay i was going from from person to person to get the you know like a water and so on now you're in a country there's no english speaking people yeah. potentially and you go like yeah we're gonna go lighter this time yeah, <laughs> yeah. probably a bit mad but it's just i don't want to be too way down yeah um it's funny because doing these trips you just realize how little you actually need to get ah, there's ex- a trick behind it as well you exactly. see exactly so instead of being like weighed down with like five spare sets of clothes and ten spare sets of cycling gear and mm-hmm. laptops and big tents and things like that mm-hmm. i'm just going to carry a super light tent one spare set of clothes mm-hmm. 
I probably just like one spare set of cycling shorts, maybe even cutting down weight that I'm probably not going to bring runners. I yeah. might just bring a pair of like sandals or flip flops or something like that. Yeah. Um, or if I do bring runners, I'm just going to get like a light pair. Mm-hmm. And then I it's going to be more electronics this time because okay. I definitely want to document this trip properly because that's, again, one of the regrets with America. That I didn't do a proper like video documentary. I said you had a GoPro. I did, but I didn't really use it. You see, uh, okay. It was only towards the end. And when I did kind of shoot footage, it was only like footage from the bike, whereas I should have probably properly done kind of like more of a video blog than than a writing yeah, blog. Yeah, 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 yeah. So again, like it's good doing these trips and, you know, making some mistakes and realizing sure. these mistakes and yeah. not committing them again. So Africa, instead of like doing like big land Facebook blogs mm-hmm. like I did in America, it's just, I'm just going to try to do videos. Sure. Instead of trying to like describe, I mean like I can write pretty well, but just instead of trying to like describe mm-hmm. everything that I see and what's happening. Yeah. Why just not just video? video it, yeah, right? one image, Instead thousand of words. people right. use their imagination, why not just actually bring the imagination to them Absolutely. and let them see with their own two eyes? Absolutely. Because like Africa is a wonderful continent. Like mm. I can't wait to get out there and get going. And it's just, I just know it's going to be so hard to describe because you're going to want to see it with your own two eyes. Because yeah. you can describe it as well as you can. But people still might be like, ah, no, that can't be true. Like, he's only waffling <laughs> there now. So I'm just going to be like, hey, look, there's a video. So this is actually happening right now. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I have a YouTube channel that I'm trying to get better right, at and right. get better. At what's, the na- what's the name of the YouTube channel? How just people? just my own name, um, Tomas McIntyre. Mm-hmm. So um, T-O-M-A-S, separate word, Mach, M-A-C, separate word, A-N-Un. And then T or T dash S A O I R. I was gonna ask you because you're you're like like, like for me it's yeah. impossible uh, to to pronounce it's it's Irish name right? It is yeah 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 okay. yeah. But I don't know maybe Mac McIntyre. McIntyre. There, there we go. There we go. Okay. Yeah. I know. So I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna do a video documentary, Wi-Fi permitting, of course, and that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't. You may have a problem with the with the with the phone coverage in in Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another thing as well. You're going to need like it's going into the finer details of bringing a phone, but mm-hmm. you're going to need ten different sims because you're going through ten different countries. Yeah, these are just the the minor details now that it, like the, the just bigger a serious planning going into that right now. Yeah, you're getting better def- at planning. Yeah, <laughs> this one I can't be as laxy-daisy about, unfortunately. But again, like, look, I'm not really looking at the route too much. It's mm-hmm. planned. Yeah, but like going into great detail about the route, I don't really know a whole mm-hmm. lot about it. Like I know like the main areas I want to go to, mm-hmm. um, Kilimanjaro, Tanzania, the Victoria Falls, awesome. Pyramids of Giza, outside Cairo. You know, they, they are things that I do want to do, but because you have to plan into so fine detail now, it even comes down to what clothing you can wear. You can't wear X different colors because you'll attract like mosquitoes and these different animals and things oh like that. Oh, God. So I don't think you can, you can wear, you can't wear like bright colors, which is obviously you do want to wear when you're cycling so that you're visible on the road. Yeah. You've that, then you're going into like money, like I could, Sudan doesn't, don't have ATM, so I'll have to carry cash. Then you'll have to ch- exchange money as you're passing through every country. So a lot of time, is going to be spent on just getting myself ready for the next country. Yeah, and 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 I suppose you also read about everything about crossing the borders. Yeah, and, and yeah. all the fun related to that. I, yeah, you know, again, yeah. I, I remember the the trip through uh, again to Guinea Bissau, but it was not me, but people who went to Guinea Bissau earlier, and and I think they they flown to Dakar and they tried to drive, and they say like when they were passing village, they were 
on each village they were stopped three times because there was you know like a military and a militia yeah, and then yeah. the locals and each each separate you know like a checkpoint they had to remove all the gear and check everything and put it back in and then yeah. bribe people and then again and again yeah, so the so whole weird. road trip took like two days <laughs> and they done it because it's supposed to be quicker so you, I, I, you got discovered i pre presume because you, you're yeah, doing I, a lot of I research have, now yeah i'll have like military checkpoints and police checkpoints in egypt and all the other countries but I mean, okay. once you have like your documents, like my passport, I have to print off like, I don't know how mm -hmm. many pictures of my own passport, not to hand them my document. But if I give them my passport, then mm -hmm. I can't leave the country. Yeah. Um, so I'll have to do that. And then checkpoints, just have to make sure you've all your documentations, all the shots I need, the different yeah. injections. I'll, yes. Start, yeah, I'll you're right. Vaccinations and yeah, all vaccinations. that. Vaccinations. I'll be starting those soon. And yeah, just hopefully there'll be no bike trouble if I need like new gear, I might. Just oh yeah, I think you need any spare parts, spare chain, and like yeah, I probably and... have to. Yeah, and, um, there is like there's bike shops in the major cities and stuff, but just because there's such big gaps between the cities, like you, like each country is like one major city or maybe two major cities. Yeah, but like there could be hundreds of miles between them, and yeah. then hundreds of miles before you get to the next city. So it's a lot to be kind of expecting the bike to hold up and stay yeah. in one piece. So yeah. I will have to bring some extra bike parts like tubes, tires. Sure. How I'm going to fit all this on a light setup, I have no idea yet, but... Yeah, you'll figure it out. I'll figure it out, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I might have to trim back and maybe bring only like a t-shirt and a pair of shorts or something like that, <laughs> but I'll find space for them someplace. <laughs> Listen, so. how how people can uh, can support you and, and support the cause and, and, and because you said you're, you're, all, you're again raising money for the foundation... So so tell us how 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 people can support you. Um so probably the best way is my Facebook probably mm -hmm. or Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um what's my Twitter handle? Sayers Toms I think. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I think my Twitter handle is Sayers Toms S E A R S T O M S. Um there's a link pinned mm -hmm. to my Twitter with mm -hmm. the donation um mm -hmm. link. We'll um, retweet that 25 times. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's on I Donate, Tomas's Africa Cycles. So I think it's like something like www.hashtag I Donate, mm -hmm. hashtag Tomas's Africa Cycle, all one word, yeah. dot com. Or else just my Facebook page, um, it's Tomas's Africa Cycle on that as well. Yeah. So if people just want to give, we that put we put all those links in the show notes of the yeah. podcast, so so people yeah, know yeah. and can support you and and so on. Yeah, yeah. And then if just people even just wanted like hit like on the Facebook page and just follow as I go along, because I'll be posting like the videos onto my Facebook and you know I'll be writing as well. Um, so like they'll get the daily updates and stuff like that and I'll be active on Twitter too as well perfect Tom listen you are amazing young man and you have a balls of steel <laughs> and uh, that's I, I think it's 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 really tough and, and really you know speaks about your character and, and you know um, it's it's just awesome listen thanks very much for being our no, guest on the podcast no problem thanks and, for having and, me and, and hopefully you know after you're back from, from Africa maybe we're gonna do it again and, yeah, and just, just have an episode Perfect. just dedicated to that <laughs> Tom thanks a lot no problem thank you very much for having me and that concludes another episode of Tommy's Outdoors podcast I hope you enjoyed it and now go and subscribe on iTunes or on Stitcher or on SoundCloud, obviously, if you haven't done so yet. Rate us, leave the review. This is great help for the podcast. And also follow us on Twitter at Outdoors Podcast or on Instagram at Tommy's Outdoors. 
and until the next time bye You just listened to an archived episode of the Tommy's Outdoors Conservation and Science Podcast. I invite you to take a moment and listen to one of the most recent episodes. I'm sure you'll enjoy it.